Hey, everybody. Welcome to Giant Bomb Presents. This is Austin Walker again. Uh, and today I'm here with Ian Williams. Hey, Ian. Hey, how's it going, Austin? It's going pretty well. It's rainy. It's kind of a mess outside, but but it's going, and I'm happy to have you here. Here virtually through Skype. I'm calling you via Skype. Uh, this is another uh, introduction to another one of our new guest contributors. The other day I did one with Heather Alexandra, and uh, now I'm here with you, Ian. Uh, you have a piece up on the site now uh, about kind of games and labor, and and hopefully you'll keep writing about that stuff in the future for us. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, it's 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 one of my it's one of my passions. I worked in the industry, albeit briefly, um, and yeah. that's that's kind of I I've I've had a lifelong passion for workers' rights, uh, uh, labor rights, uh, unionization, and, uh, and time g- in the industry just kind of paired with that. Yeah, I bet. I bet interest. being yeah. on the other side of that really can give you a unique perspective. You and I actually go back and, and have written about this stuff a little bit over on Paste uh, here or there. Um, we wrote about some other stuff too, and and I guess the way I actually met you originally, uh, full disclosure, Ian and I, we're not like, I think we're friends, but we're not, we don't chat every night or anything, but you and I were both in a tabletop game that a friend of ours was running via Google Hangouts, and we had been in a, like a number of sessions of it for a while, and then one day we both kind of just realized the other one was like, oh, you're that Ian Williams, oh, you're that Austin Walker, you're, you write about games, weird, we should chat. Uh, and here we are now, a few years later, uh, still friends, and and uh, very excited to see what you what you write for the site. Yeah, that was uh, that was an awesome moment of of strange fate or serendipity, yeah, or whatever. But, one of those yeah. one of those moments of like, even though I hate saying it, it is kind of sometimes a small world. Yeah. Um, what got you into games to begin with? Like, how what was your what's your kind of history with with games, both video and otherwise? So. Um, Wow, it's it's long because I'm old. Um, I'm I'm 38 years old, and I actually started with um, the Atari 2600. I okay. think. I mean, it was three, so it's right. it's hard for me to remember exactly. Um, then it just I went on and I I bought um, um, I bought um, an NES. You know, when the NES was hot, and then a Sega Genesis. So so I've I've been with video games not from, from the beginning, but close but like enough for a lot of your life, at least. Yes. Um, and, um, uh, and, and, and I got into tabletop games as well, right. uh, probably when I was about 10 and I actually, I've actually written two, one of which is pending publication. Uh, and one of them is the, is that the action game one or is that an action no, movie action one? Action movie world, uh, first blood yeah. plug, is out and you can get it now. It's, it's based on the apocalypse world engine, which is very popular and it's, it's about playing action movie actors. So not just, it's not just like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a tabletop game about, being Rambo, it's a game about being Sylvester Stallone playing Rambo. Correct, and like each session would be a different movie. So theoretically, you could play out an entire action movie uh, starts. Career. And like, so as you level up, then you're you're basically not just it's not just like oh, the character in this movie is getting more badass. It's literally you are are improving or or gaining new abilities for your actor and the way that they can portray characters in these action movies. Yes, that is correct. That's really rad. Thank uh, you. Uh, it is something that you sent me a PDF for like months ago because and because I'm a bad friend with no free time, I haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet. That's terrible. That's so rotten. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's uh, okay. But then, so you mentioned, you know, you you briefly worked in the games industry. Uh, what were you doing? And and can you talk about that? Is that a thing you're allowed to? Oh yeah, no, I'm okay. not under an NDA or anything like that. Um, I worked as quality assurance uh, with Funcom uh, on Age of Conan for its release. I did a little bit. Um, uh, with their other with their other games, although that was very light, right. um, Anarchy Online. Um, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd come off a period of severe illness and I didn't really know what to do and they were hiring. And um, because I'd played during my period of illness, I mm. became active on the Elitist Jerks uh, website and things like that. Um, and I'd played World of Warcraft fairly hardcore and I was interested in some, some of the number crunching behind it. You know, I went to it and I said, uh, hey, I can crunch these numbers. I can break your game. And right. I said, bring it on. And That's the thing that we need in QA, right, is yeah. is people who know the game well enough to break it in ways that the, the smartest players will go out and do. Right, yeah. And uh, with MMOs, at least at the time, and I can't speak for now, um, behind the scenes, but there was a lot of conceptual thinking about, uh, even even at lower levels, about what should an MMO be? How should people socialize? Um, monitor how people socialize, what should the scale be, um, mm-hmm. things things that were a little more, um, I don't want to say interesting because that kind of dumps on everybody who finds number crunching, like pure number <laughs> crunching interesting, but it was you know, a more conceptual discussion uh, sometimes at the office and that. So um, because I was interested in that, um, not that I'm a, a gaming philosopher, but I have philosophical ideas about <laughs> games. Um, you know, I was a good fit. Um, so I slid in there and I spent, uh, shy of two years, uh, working, um, so what's that, uh, you know, I kind of, our audience has gotten a little bit of taste of this from, from Drew Scanlon who did some, uh, QA testing. And, and I think we all know phrases like known shippable and, and, and stuff like that. But like, is there anything that, that you experienced on the other side of things that maybe most, uh, readers wouldn't expect, or like, was there any lessons you took out about game development that, um, were kind of insights to you as someone who hadn't been behind the curtain, so to speak? Um, well, let me, so there was good and bad. And, um, as an intro, I don't, I don't want to concentrate on the, on, on the bad, but I will say that I think it's very easy on a big project, um, for the right hand, not knowing what the left hand is doing mm. on a game project. And I think that becomes, uh, more and more likely, the bigger the project. So you right. start getting into big projects like MMOs. You start getting into big companies um, with a lot of moving parts, a lot of departments, um, and it can uh, and 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 everything in game development has a knock-on effect, right? Like if if a designer wants to have a certain social outcome, uh, and he or she says, "Hey, I want players to react in this way in the game," and then but that, but that designer isn't also, you know, strictly the coder, um, or 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 he or she has to answer to a producer. Then that can get muddled, right? So right. you come up with weird outcomes from like a simple coding mistake, uh, or people can misunderstand. And there was a lot going on uh, with that sort of thing uh, in Age of Conan. Right. That's one of those things that I think it is definitely easy to miss is how. Um, mutable and how one like there's kind of a, a um, what's the what's the thing like a, a Rube Gold, Goldberg effect happening yes. in, in in games and some of your reporting in the past for other outlets has definitely hit on that like I, you did a piece on the now canceled or eternally suspended e, uh, um, sorry not Eve Online World of Darkness MMO that yeah. that CCP was uh, working on CCP the company behind. Eve Online was making a game based in the kind of vampire, the masquerade, world of darkness, tabletop setting, and, and there's obviously some some vampire uh, uh, video games also. Um, and and that piece of reporting, which I think was was at the Guardian, you wrote that, the Guardian, yeah. uh, was just like all about the way 
the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing, right? And like the left hand wanted to do things one very specific way without taking into account that it would totally ruin the right hand, which was a different studio halfway across the country. Right, yeah, and then you and then you start talking about oceans. Like at Funcom, we had a Norwegian office where a lot mm. of the game, uh, the actual game design happened, um, and we had the American office, which was like quality assurance, uh, uh, server operations, and stuff like that. So you, you would have an ocean, and CCP had that going on too because they had this American office um, that, uh, uh, if I recall correctly, was almost exclusively working on the World of Darkness MMO, and they were in Atlanta. And in the meantime, CCP's main base of operations is in Iceland, right? So you've got people flying back and forth, you know, they're, yeah. they're tired. You've got, you know, a potential culture clash, all of these things going on. Um, and then of course you have, just like you do in most companies and I don't, I don't ever want to, I'm, I'm, I'm hard on gaming, right? Like, right. like I am and people who read me, they will find out that, that I am hard on it, but that's because I think that gaming can do better as an industry, both in you know, in terms of producing good games and right. by its workers. Right. But, Treating um, the people who make the games that we love so much right. better or can, at least t- taking some consideration into the ways in which it could do things better. You know? Right. So, so just like any other company, you get egos. Right? Yeah. So you get, you know, like in CCP's case, you had um, kind of – uh, I'd, I'd heard rumors of clashes between the art teams, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the Iceland and the and the American one, and uh, people shuffling money from different projects and things like that. So it's 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 very standard kind business of stuff. stuff. But then, yeah. but the thing is, it gets back to what you were saying previously, which is because games are these su- such intricate machines where one little problem can ripple out and and take a, a, a project by storm and and totally move it into a direction that the team isn't ready to deal with yet those those common problems to all companies to all organizations even uh are especially volatile in inside of the game space yeah and um yeah that's 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 absolutely probably the best way to put it is it's just it's it's felt very acutely mm-hmm. um because they are big complicated projects and you have People who work in the games industry, they're dreamers right. by nature. You know, nobody goes into the <laughs> games industry saying, yeah, I want to code and go home. Right. And, um, you know, they, they, they like games or they have, at the very least, they have ideas of what they want a game that they're working on to be. And it's more aspirational than checking into the office. Right. You're not, you're not just running the numbers. You're not right. just, you know, doing your nine to five. So – so that again kind of feeds into that ego thing where sometimes you get these clashes between personalities, but it also lends itself to abuse, right? Like that's a very easy thing for someone who's unscrupulous um, or who isn't even unscrupulous, but is just operating under certain assumptions of the way that a work culture should should right. happen. Um, you end up with workers being taken advantage of. You know, we know about the crunch time. We know about the, you know the lack of payment. We know about. Um, uh, the layoffs, all of this stuff, and I think that a lot of this, and uh, um, I've written about this before, but I think a lot of that comes from this culture where games aren't just games, and there's not this just, weird thing right. where you know they shouldn't just be games because otherwise, why would you want to work on? You, you know, they're games, they're fun, they're cool to work on, but they also should be more like just other work. Right? Yeah, there's a, those things. there's such a weird tension here because on one hand, people like you and I love games and often I feel like we have this desire to let people who maybe don't see what games can be 
in on it. It's why we care so much about them is like, oh, hey, games are these in- these incredible things in life that that it's not just like a movie. It's not just like a book. And and it, just like movies and books, they're special and they can be they can be transformative and they can you know affect our lives in these gigantic ways. So on one hand, we have that view. And and it's easy when you have that view to say, and therefore whatever the whatever it takes to make those things is worth it. But on the other hand, we need to remind ourselves that they are material products that come at the cost of material labor from people, from real people who are doing real work, and that we should treat that as a, a thing that is just as as real and worthy of of critique and analysis as any other human pursuit. Uh, wherein we we care about the people who are doing it, you know. Like, I if if it came out tomorrow that uh, you know everybody else here at at CBS Interactive was working sixty seventy hour work weeks, I would be very upset about that, you know. <laughs> uh, and I I think our readers and and not just our readers but the culture at large, would be like, oh, it's like, what do you mean the accountants are working sixty to seventy hours? Like, no one would go to and they're very but come on, they're very passionate about their accounting. You know. Right, exactly, and 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 that's not to denigrate uh, accountants. No, not at all, not you at know, all. It, it's it, it it is it's it's just this really strange balance that you have to strike up because you do need people who take it seriously. Right, but you know, I do think that we have we we've kind of backed ourselves into this place within the gaming industry um, where it's. It's, it's it's skewed too far that and you know we read all of these things at this point everybody does a thing where they say oh we're reporting on crunch time right i've written that article i've written that article that crunch time is happening and the, the article that's on the site now touches that even right you know what i'm interested in is um we've done that so how do we fix it mm-hmm. right why is it happening how do we fix it? What's so, next from from not just these companies, but from us as people who are interested in those things? How do we address things beyond just there is crunch? You know, it's one thing right. to see it's one thing to see a wound. It's another thing to diagnose what caused the wound. It's another thing to talk about what treatment looks like. It's another thing to talk about what long term effects that wound might have. So, so it's definitely a, a situation where I think there's lots of there's lots of material here beyond just there's a problem. You know, right? Yeah, and um, you know it's. I've, I, I remember reading a comment at one point, uh, and I can't even remember where it was, but somebody said all of these articles about crunch time at this point, we're just kind of looking at like disaster porn, right? right. Like, oh gosh, these poor people. So, you know, we've, we've hit this awareness level. We're, we are aware that there is a problem. Everybody's yeah. aware, the workers, uh, the consumers, the press, we all know. So now it becomes, all right, we've got the awareness. What do we do now? What do we do with this? Right. What and it, you know, like I said, hopefully over the next year or so, you'll be able to dig into some of that stuff with us. But I do have a question, which is: Is there anyone right now that you've seen that does it better than that? That does better than the crunch and the layoff cycles and you know stuff like that? Um, Valve. Okay. Right? Like like Valve is kind of the gold standard because they've got from from what I understand, and I'm not a Valve expert. Right. You're not an insider there, but this is this is from your reporting and from talking to people who, who right. know that stuff. They kind of have like a flat, uh, a flat office structure where people can work on their own projects, um, and this extends all the way on up to Gabe Newell. Right. And um, you know, he is apparently very nobody who works at Valve. Very few people who work for Valve have anything bad to say about it. Right. Um, the only caveat I'd, I'd, I'd attach to that is like everywhere else in the industry, that place is great because. Uh, that's the work culture there, and that's not enforced by the people, right? That's right. not. Hey, 
the workers will leave. That's that's because Newell wants it to be like that. And if things shifted there, it, right, right. There's not that that isn't a stable position. That isn't a, a negotiated position. That is, uh, you know, that's really interesting. I think about that a lot in in other projects where it's like, do I okay, okay someone is in charge of this project or in charge of this policy in, in in politics or is in charge of this this show that I really like and it's going in a direction and I trust this person with this because I trust this person. You know, I, I trust this politician. I trust this president. I trust this showrunner on this show. But like, is this a good direction for these things to go in? Would I trust anybody else with that with that position? Or would I like there to be some safety valves in place to make sure that, that this doesn't go off rails, you know? Right. And, and, and you want a good work situation, but you don't want it to exist at the sufferance of one man or woman. Right. 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 Because, because that's open to their whimsy, their change of heart, their interpretation, their personal economic, uh, you know, the, the economic pressures on them, which right. are completely different than the economic, um, pressures, which are on you as a worker. Right. It's, it's funny. Like this is maybe a, a strange, uh, uh, analogy, but you're also a wrestling fan. I am uh, like us, like many of us here. Not all of us here, but many of I, us. I, I write for I write pro wrestling for Vice Sports. So nice, check that out. Uh, there is there, you know, the WWE is currently in a situation where it is struggling because of injuries, because uh, you know some of the biggest stars have not been able to perform be, because of injuries uh, obtained in the ring or, or around the ring. Uh, and I think a lot about how. There was a point last year where the company seemed to be in a decent place where it had a handful of really great stars and it had uh, – it was really working on those that small handful and they were carrying things. Like people like Seth Rollins were doing a, a, the lion's share of keeping every show somewhat entertaining at least. Uh, and then Seth Rollins gets hurt. And suddenly that you what's revealed is that there was always a flaw in that method of doing things, in not making sure that the middle card was strong or the not giving attention and building storylines for some of the other wrestlers was like, oh, actually, there was always this problem here. And all we needed to get to it was a, was one bad injury or a couple of bad injuries. Whereas if there had been a practice in place that was a little bit more well-rounded and sustainable, the WWE would be in a much better place right now. Uh, and and it's a weird analogy, I know, but like I think it's one that maybe gets at what we're trying to say, which is that like, hey, sometimes even where something really good is happening, we have to make sure that that thing is not just because the stars have aligned. It's because it's the result of good of good practices and good policies. Right. Yes. And 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 the only way to enforce the only way to make certain that those policies happen is through worker power mm -hmm. right um or at least that's that's like to be clear like that is definitely the position that, that, that you're you're uh, suggesting here right like that is oh yes uh, absolutely yeah. i mean and, and and listen i am coming into um a community which um i i've, I've always read giant bomb um my podcast listening and, and <laughs> such is almost exclusively like pro wrestling podcasts and soccer right um so just, you know, I, I, I'm coming in as basically a stranger to the community. I'm not coming in with any preconceptions as to how I should relate to the community or that I should be shown any deference uh, mm -hmm. as to any – in, in any discussions about what the solutions to this are. But I am. I'm very pro-union. Um, I'm pro-co-op. Um, God, you're just you're – just, uh, you're one of them. <laughs> I'm more pro-union than I am pro-co-op. Okay. Um, uh, I tend to think the co-ops work very, very well on the low end, but they're a little tougher mm -hmm. and, and, and it's slightly more radical as you get bigger and bigger. Um, you know, I, 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 I try to be fairly, fairly pragmatic as far as like what can be achieved, but I think that we can achieve more than, more than 
is realized, right? right? I tend to think that we think... I think that's well, the thing that happens a lot, is that people hear positions like yours, and they hear... They think, oh, you're so cynical and so down. Like, why are you always so focused on the shitty stuff? Why aren't you focused on the fact that, like, the game that comes out of this system is really good? Uh, and it, it, it strikes me always that actually the position that you hold is is maybe actually deeply hopeful and deeply optimistic. Because what you're suggesting is actually we could reconfigure things such that we both get really good games and also the workers maybe get to go home and see their families more often or the company culture isn't so stressful or or they you know get to build a savings so that they can send their kids to college safely without worrying about another crash or something like that. Yeah, and and I am absolutely confident that the that whatever game a listener likes can be the same game with unionization or co-ops or whatever it is that ends up you know a, whatever the solution to this problem is those games will still exist right yeah and and, and I, I i it may take maybe it takes 3 months longer right right, right. that's okay you know, maybe maybe we end up having you know, particularly on PC where games tend to be a little bit cheaper. Maybe games cost ten dollars more. Right. right. But that seems to me like you know, and and ten dollars is that's on the outside. I don't want anybody to take that and say, oh, Ian said that you know, ten dollars <laughs> is a lot. It may, it may be like three dollars. Right. I don't know. But right. you know, that stuff is achievable, and that's okay. Right. It's 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 all this bargain between the consumer and the person making the games. Uh, the company, I say person, but mm-hmm. see, I do, see, see, I slip into that mode too. Totally. Right? Totally. Um, so, and it's a thing that's that's rapidly changing, or is not just rapidly changing, but is like it's a thing we have to. We're constantly reconsidering this as the market changes, as it moves from a system where oh, it's AAA developers and it's mid-sized developers to hey, it's it's it is two or three people working on something. It is a, a ten-person studio, and this the the weird. I heard someone call it triple I the other day, uh, the kind of well-established independent studio. That's good. I like that. Um, I, I like. I kind of like it a lot too. I, I kind of hate it, but I also kind of like it. I'm not going to stop using it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it better than indie uh, is the thing because I, I think it that. it it yeah. suggests scale. It says, "Hey, actually, even outside of big publishers, there is a scale between the the team of of uh, you know husband and wife working out of their their apartment putting out weird little games." And uh, Clay, which is a developer I adore, my favorite game last year came from Clay, but is maybe a larger size, a larger scale, has has bigger income and more stability. Um, I think that's, for me, one of the things I just constantly want to get at is like how complex this stuff is and how there isn't necessarily a silver bullet to yeah. what the problems are or, or to even describing what the problems are to begin with, let alone figuring out a solution. So my hope is between... This, you know, the, the the article you have on site now, which will hopefully get people talking about this stuff, which is really all we ever want, um, and, and some future pieces from you, we can we can dig into some of those different weird angles and and um, have some more useful discussion. That's my hope. Thanks so much, Ian. Uh, again, people can find the article on the site giantbomb.com. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Brock underscore Tune. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find my website ianwilliams.xyz. Um, if you want to there and you can find me on Google plus under my name, Ian Williams. I'm not saying I'll add anyone back if I get a flood, <laughs> if I don't know you, but you know, stop in and say, Hey, and introduce yourself and you know, we'll see. Uh, people should also definitely go find, there was a piece, um, that, that Ian wrote last week for the Los Angeles review of books, uh, on mystery science theater 3000. Um, just it, look up LA review of books, 
uh, Ian Williams Mystery Science Theater 3000. It was a fantastic piece, and and I really recommend it. I guess it was last month now. Jeez. What? I think it was like three weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Time is time is tough, but people should really go read it. All right. Thanks so much, Ian. Thank you, Austin.